0: Louise McSharry on Two FM. Now it is time for us to talk to Eva Moore from the Irish Examiner. Hello, IFA.
1: Good morning. What's the crack?
0: Uh, no crack. No crack, Aoife No At crack. All. Um, I mean, how are you?
1: <laughs> I, I'm grand. I have no crack either. But yeah, we're getting there. We might see. <laughs> we might see some restrictions lifted next week. So okay, tell me. There. Talk to me. I'm gonna like
0: suck this up. Like I don't know what the expression uh, is. Someone who the. Really okay, so needs this, it.
1: <laughs> the start of the week um, was not that hopeful in the way that. So basically, the Taoiseach, Leo Frager said in the doll, listen, because of the B117 variant, um, which is now like 80 odd percent of cases in Ireland, he doesn't actually think we'll ever get the cases down to a level that we had before. So remember in the summer, we were down to like six cases a day at one point. That because seems new... like
0: I actually can't even make my brain get there. I can't even there. picture it. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, like, how free we must have felt at that time. <laughs> but, um, so he basically said that's just, that's a non-goer now because of the B one one seven variant. Um, it's too contagious. And basically, he will never get there again. So we're going to see, you know, he doesn't even think we'll get down to 50 or 100. Mm um it's just because they've stagnated so we're still at last night there was 584 new cases and 20 deaths I think we're all getting a bit what's the word like dehumanized the, the deaths like they keep yeah. rolling in every day and we're not even really thinking about them anymore and like it just kind of hit me this morning I was like 20 deaths that's 20 more people like It's just been nonstop since Christmas and it's really, really sad.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, I think psychologists would say it's a coping mechanism and you kind of have to in order to try and survive it. You kind of have to disconnect to a certain extent, but it is absolutely like tragic. I mean, there's no other word for it. The number of people who are dying. Really, really
1: sad. Mm. Yeah. So the only thing I can give you is Neffet are meeting on Monday and they're going to give past their advice on to government and Cabinet are going to take a decision on Tuesday and you'll find out on Tuesday and it'll come into effect on April the 5th. Now we're being told by government sources that it is, I don't want to say it's a stick-on, but it's highly likely that the five kilometre exercise limit is going to be removed. Um, I don't know, there was some chat, of it might go up to 20 kilometres, but it was pointed out at the Fianna Fáil parliamentary party meeting that if you live in a rural area, 5k, 20k, doesn't really make that much of a difference. Yeah. So there is now some chatter that it might be county-wide that you can you know, roam around your county, but you have to stay there. But again, this will all depend on the NEF advice on Monday. So they can't really say anything for certain. But it looks likely that the 5K limit is going to go. Children's outdoor sport is going to resume. Hmm. Um, I think they think because the schools are back anyway. And, you know, the, the weather's getting better and everyone's talking about exercise for mental health and stuff like that. Mm. So those are the two things um, that are most likely to come back. OK, something. Um, and yeah. uh,
0: <laughs> let's unfortunately talk about what happened at the Beacon Hospital.
1: Yeah, so I just I heard you talking about it there just before yeah. um, we came on. So for anyone who hasn't heard about it, basically the Beacon Hospital, which is a private hospital, had a num they're giving out vaccines. They're part of the vaccine distribution for Dublin. They had a number of vaccines that were left over at the end of the day, and you know they obviously you don't want to dump the vaccines. However, what happened was that the private hospital, the Beacon, the chair phoned a private school and vaccinated twenty of the teachers who go to that private school and his children attend that school so this is not the plan for leftover vaccines by any means whatsoever there should not be private hospitals giving out leftover vaccines to private school teachers we know that there are cancer patients in the beacon who have not got the vaccine you know so this just basically unleashed a world of fury um, yesterday you know people are saying you know it's totally unacceptable they're calling for this man in the beacon to resign mm. Stephen Donnelly the health minister gave a very weak statement on RT news last night and said you know we're not going to take the vaccine distribution program away from the beacon because it would punish people who need the vaccine which is totally yes. true like I totally believe that yeah. but what he's basically other otherwise saying when they asked him what would be the consequences he said well, consequences. We can talk about that, which means they haven't talked <laughs> yeah. about that, and it doesn't. And the thing is, if people think they can get away with it, it will happen again because they'll look and see. Well, nothing really happened to the beacon. Yeah, so I, why what, not?
0: What are they supposed to do with leftover vaccines?
1: So basically, the plan is there's like a, a roster kind of thing. So mm. every um, every hospital, every distribution center are told how many vaccines they're going to get and how many they basically said the thing with the beacon was that people had double booked and that there was over 200 no-shows so they liaised with the hse and the majority of the excess vaccines were used for hse staff who were redirected to the hospital in the afternoon they said then late then on tuesday there was 20 leftover vaccines however you know the sequencing is not the sequencing guidelines is not find teachers from your kids' school and vaccinate them. The other thing was the school was 13 kilometres away from the hospital. The hospital's in Tala, so there was food banks, old folks' homes, a special needs school, all closer to that hospital than this private school.
0: on On what planet did this person think they were going to get away with this. Like 20 teachers. Do you think those teachers aren't going to turn around to their families and be like, I got vaccinated? Like, obviously I'm... they are. And there's going to be someone in that group who's going to be like, hang on a second, that's not right. Like people's peak is at an all-time high. So people are looking for reasons to be annoyed. Like that was always going to get out. Like, It is so it just, and it insane. Also, like.
1: Even if you don't think, even if you think in yourself you're doing the right thing, just take a step back and look at the optics of it. A private hospital seeking out the teachers in the fourth most expensive school in the country to give those teachers vaccines when it's literally a hospital where there are people with cancer. It boggles, boggles my Uh, mind. And rightly, everyone is very, very annoyed about it, as they should be.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's nothing more to say. It's it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, okay, we finally have a mandatory hotel quarantine regime.
1: We she do. She says, we have man- questioning me. <laughs> I know. Mandatory quarantine is here. The people have arrived. They're locked in their rooms. We got it. <laughs> so basically, the first guests have arrived. They're staying in the Crown Plaza Hotel in Santry. Um, they arrived, you know, they were escorted onto a coach um, with security guards on Friday. There was a bit of a hoo-ha on Friday, to be honest. um, There was one woman who got into it, but I was like a... She must... Like, she got a bit frantic. Basically, there was some media there, reporters, cameramen and stuff, to film the first people get into the hotel. Yeah. And she didn't want to get off the bus. And she was kind of shouting that, you know, she had a right, you know, to live in Ireland. And I think, I suppose... It would be really, like, I don't know if intimidating is the right word, but knowing that you're going to go into this room and be kept there for 12 days, like, totally solitary. You won't see anyone. You're only allowed out for, like, a certain time of day to, you know, do a bit of exercise. So, I think, like, the woman got a bit upset, which I think is totally normal. Like, you hear about people in New Zealand and Australia, like, running around their hotel rooms like trying to do exercise and stuff and like yeah. staring out the window for hours yeah well in. like
0: I mean th- here's the thing like it's not ideal um which is why I'm not going to Australia anytime soon like you know yeah. you have a choice in the matter um, you know mm-hmm. you can come and if you come you have to follow the rules and that's just it so it's up to every individual to assess whether or not that's something they can handle that doesn't mean I'm not sympathetic and I fully appreciate yeah. that you know when you get to the reality of the situation and I'm sure press make the whole thing a lot more feel mm. a lot more bigger and a lot more intimidating but like you know I'm just so glad that this has finally happened because I think it the was thing a really for me,
1: yeah the thing for me was like the woman on the bus had already paid almost 1900 euro you know for 12 days and I was like no matter how frightened I was <laughs> I'm not wasting <laughs> 1900 euro I'd be getting into that hotel room and I'd be getting my money's worth.
0: I you know I believe that I believe that about you <laughs> Okay, let's talk about the plans that are underway for Ireland's first mother and baby health, mental health unit. This is actually really good yes, news.
1: this is really good news. So yeah, this was planned four years ago. Um, it was re- uh, recommended four years ago, but obviously with COVID and everything else, um, it's been delayed. But basically, it's a new inpatient unit and it'll be in St. Vincent's University Hospital in Dublin. And it'll accommodate women experiencing severe mental health difficulties during their pregnancy or after their birth of their child. So currently, if a woman has mental health issues and she's pregnant or just after having a baby, she's admitted to a general psychiatric ward and they can't keep the baby with them for yeah. obvious reasons. So this would mean that the mothers are able to stay with their babies, yeah. um, in this usually in the same room. And that uh, for the time that they're on the specialist it's, unit and basically it's just much better. Oh, for everyone, it's I so think.
0: important because I know that there are situations where it has to be weighed up whether or not the benefit of being in the treatment outweighs the uh, like kind of sense of loss or the grief that the woman is feeling from being away from their child. Like, you yeah. know, it's it's I think it's absolutely essential. And I'm so glad to hear that this is happening um, now. Let's talk about New Zealand, because they did something really great this week. But we could say Again. that week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Again. All right, New Zealand. Stop overachieving. So achieving. New
1: Zealand, um, yeah, so I didn't even realise this wasn't a type of leave. Yeah. Um, this so was just my own ignorance. But basically, New Zealand became one of the first, one of the first countries in the world to offer paid bereavement leave for workers who suffer a miscarriage. So they approved the motion in the New Zealand Parliament on Wednesday, and basically, they'll just they'll get three days leave after a miscarriage, and this will be put into New Zealand law. And um, I was yeah reading about this, and it's three days in New Zealand. It's six weeks in India, and wow. there's the only other country that has it. And it's six weeks, so three days is quite different from six weeks. But three days is better than no days, you would argue. Mm. So um, basically, they've brought this law, in and the Labour MP who brought it in said she hoped that they would be an example. To the world and I know I've seen even on my own social media politicians female politicians from Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil mm. and Sinn Féin and Labour all saying you know this is something Ireland could adopt mm. so you know when you seem to have you know cross-party support for stuff like this and there's a wee bit of pressure because everybody wants to be like New Zealand you would hope that eventually you know it's something that we could bring in here and as you know I keep harping on like I said this last week as well but only when we get more female politicians will we see laws like this starting to change in Ireland because you need that voice at the table to make the case for it. Yeah
0: it's brilliant news though well done New Zealand and well done India that's really good.
1: I know. Um,
0: okay it is the um, starting point for a thousand memes let's talk about the Suez Canal. <laughs>
1: So many memes. So many like, memes. I'm so proud of everyone because they're all so funny. <laughs> it reminds me if anyone hasn't seen the picture of the Suez Canal. Um, it reminds me of me trying to parallel park, <laughs> but it is um a big boat. It is a shipping uh, container boat. It's um, it's probably huge. got to it. It's probably got it, It's massive. Like
0: I, I uh, until I saw the picture, I couldn't understand this like the size of it. It is huge,
1: and it's been stuck now for five days. Um, And basically the Suez Canal, for us non-shipping folk, is this main thoroughfare that, you know, container ships use to for global trade. So basically loads and loads of the world's global trade goes through this canal. A canal to me sounds so narrow, but it's not. But this Japanese (laughs) ship is stuck and, you know, there's like, I think over a billion euro, billions of euros worth of product and ship stuff that needs to be shipped on the boat. It's caught in, like, it seems to be, like, a sand dune. Um, and they have... They've sent, <laughs> like, a, <laughs> like, a tractor. One solitary tractor to try and pull the sand away from the edge of the canal to get the boat out. It's not working. I'm no shipping expert, but have we considered two tractors? <laughs> because... <laughs>
0: We're laughing, but like obviously yeah. this is like hu- it's a caused, huge. It's caused it's
1: caused massive issues. So basically, like the ship that's stuck has nearly seven billion euro worth seven billion euro worth of stuff on it, but also seven tankers that are carrying liquefied natural gas have to had to be diverted yesterday. So everyone now who usually uses it is being diverted around the Cape of Good Hope, basically around Africa. So there's been sixteen. Yesterday there were sixteen vessels carrying liquefied natural gas. Um, supposed to go through the Suez Canal now it has to go up around it. And basically, we're all laughing about it now. But they're saying trade wise, we are going to start to see shortages of stuff in the next couple of weeks because it's taking these ships longer and longer to get to their destination. Twelve
0: extra days um mm-hmm. it's yeah it's not great but the picture is very funny
1: and um, it's nice it's a nice distraction for yeah, everyone no, like everyone it. seems really empty the,
0: the and very quickly before I let you go uh Joe Biden said something about the Irish and the Brits this week and everybody got very excited
1: yeah I mean so Joe Biden talks about being Irish all the time and anyone who has ever met American people who are Irish know that this is pretty pretty common. But he gave his first press conference um during the week. You now he'd been getting a lot of grief from the American press because he hadn't had a full press conference um as president yet. So this was his first one and he was talking about immigration and, you know, the issues that they're having both the undocumented in America and the people coming over the border from Mexico, Guatemala and places like that. So he was talking about immigration, and he said that his great-grandfather got on a coffin ship in the Irish Sea. That's the wrong side of Ireland. So...
0: (laughs) What direction were they going in?
1: Yeah, unless they went to England first. Maybe they did. I don't know. Sure,
0: look, all the seas are Irish around us, you know?
1: Exactly. So, and then he said that his granddad got on this coffin ship because of what the Brits had been doing?
0: I actually have we- a clip here, Aoife, so we can listen. Okay. When my great-grandfather got in a coffin ship in the Irish Sea, the expectation was, was he go- was going to live long enough on that ship to get to the United States of America? But they left because of what the Brits had been doing. They were in real, real trouble. They didn't want to leave, but they had no choice. So you got you we can't, I can't guarantee we're going to solve everything, but I can
1: guarantee we can make everything better.
0: So... There you go.: I
1: mean, he's not wrong either.:
0: <laughs> Well, he's mostly mostly not wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, people obviously didn't want to leave and were forced to leave because of destitution, yeah. poverty and famine. So yeah, people were just quite I don't know if the muse is the right word people. Some people obviously were like using the word she would be using the word brits Is that offensive? Then all our people point out that the Brits call themselves Brits. Yeah. It's not a it's not a conversation that I think is worth no. getting under, to be honest. I
0: don't think so either, Ifa. Thank you so much for joining me and giving us a <laughs> digest of all the news. That's Eva Moore, a political correspondent for the Irish Examiner. Thank you so much, Eva. Have a great day. Cheers, Thank Louise Makshari on 2FM.